0: Does promoting equality really mean having to sacrifice the safety and privacy of young girls in school bathrooms? What about women's shelters? Should they be forced to house biological males alongside the females they're protecting? Those are just some of the questions being debated right now in the U.S. Senate. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. One thing we're going to be touching on today is really the devastating impact that the so-called Equality Act would have on women and women's sports. But before we dive into all that, let's just start out on a lighter note. Victoria, I know you really love watching your kids play sports. Tell us about what that's meant to your family and maybe some of the special moments that have come out of that.
1: Well, yeah, we are a full-blown sports family. We love it. We can't help it. If our kids want to play a sport, we have trouble saying no. And my daughter is a big volleyball player and travels with all of that. And the big thing right now, of course, the season that we're in is baseball. And so, you know, we've literally gotten to the point where my husband is on the board of the Little League, and he was going to coach one of my kids' teams this year. And then over uh, spring break, he says to me, "Well, they've asked me to coach the other one's team." And he pitches it to me. It'll be okay to coach two teams on top of all these kids playing sports, because you know, at least they can't schedule them at this same time. So that's the benefit. But I literally eat it up. I can't help it. So we're just at the baseball field all all spring, and we're at the volleyball field for the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you told me he spent something like 10 hours on your vacation.
1: <laughs> D- drafting seven and eight-year-olds to baseball, just FYI. Did you know they get drafted yes. onto teams at you know, ridiculously yeah, young it's ages? Yeah, <laughs> serious.
0: Well, back on a more serious note, as we are airing this today, there is just a horrendous measure being debated in the U.S. Congress right now called the Equality Act, or H.R. 5. And in one of our alerts to Virginians, we warned that this may actually be the most dangerous piece of federal legislation of our lifetime. Why is that?
1: Yeah, and it, it is no exaggeration. If passed, it would open the door for widespread persecution of Christians and people of faith. And it puts at risk the privacy and safety of vulnerable women and especially children. And even more so, people don't even think about this in a lot of the conversation on this bill, but it actually even opens the door for the expansion of abortion, just to name a few things wrong with it.
0: That is all really disturbing, and it's also alarming that this is getting more traction than it has ever before in Congress right now due to the liberal leadership. It recently passed the U.S. House and now it's going through the Senate. In fact, they just heard hours of testimony on this in the Senate Judiciary Committee. And one argument we keep hearing through all this from those that are really trying to push this is that this law is necessary to finally establish equal protection for everybody in the nation. You know, it's fairness for everybody, including those identifying as LGBTQ. How would you respond to
1: that? Well, I do think it's important right at the start of this conversation to talk about the fact that we as Christians, we believe all people, regardless of how they identify sexually or otherwise, are created by God and as a result are sacred human beings and we should be protecting them from harm. And to be honest though, there are already plenty of laws on the books that do provide for those protections. This measure, measure actually goes a, a big step further and would actually undermine true equality, true equal protection, by setting up a hierarchical structure of identities where some people have more protections than others, especially when it comes to religious freedoms and protection and the protection of women and children.
0: Yeah, we've already seen a foreshadowing of that in our own state with this law that we have called the Virginia Values Act. And one thing I've heard you say, Victoria, is that uh, this federal law is the Virginia Values Act on steroids. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first let me just basically clarify what the Equality Act does. Basically, it would adjust the federal civil rights law in a sweeping way that applies special protections for sexual orientation and gender identity issues into nearly every area of society. Schools, employment, you name it, whatever it might be. And we did a similar thing, unfortunately, here in Virginia with the Virginia Values Act, which specifically even targeted churches by forcing them to basically be a category that we called public accommodation. basically treated them like the same thing as a football stadium or a bar or whatever it might be it threw in churches and said we're gonna apply all these things to you and the federal version also targets churches um, at least with the state law we know we have litigation we know that we can take state laws that protect religious freedom and go into court and challenge them on the federal side with this Equality Act the law actually explicitly says that that someone cannot try to protect their religious freedoms with something like a federal uh, they call it a Riffer Act a restoration of Freedom. You know, we can't take those laws and actually apply them to defend our religious freedom up against this law. So it's actually undercutting our litigation efforts before it's even passed.
0: And just to clarify, when we say that they're treating uh, churches like something like a football stadium, that means that when they apply these discrimination laws to churches, the, the church can't say, well, I'm not going to let a man go in the the women's bathroom um, because of our biblical beliefs. They can't say
1: that now because they're categorized as a public Churches faith, have right? always been an exception. We've always said they believe certain things really strongly. And when we make these laws, we say we're going to allow them to structure their buildings the way they think is appropriate, to hire the people they think are appropriate, because that's a, a matter of their faith. So that's the problem with lumping them in with secular business.
0: So if this thing passes... It's basically making it national law to exalt LGBT dogma almost every other basic American right, whether it's these key religious freedoms or physical safety in a women's shelter, which we'll get into that a little bit later. But if this federal version passes, our state law almost wouldn't matter at that point, right? Because that would be overruled. We'd be forced to abide by this federal one that has zero religious freedom protection.
1: Yeah, it makes the matter much worse.
0: Thanks for tuning in if you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, one thing I want to make sure we address is how the Equality Act specifically affects women, especially vulnerable women who might find themselves in a women's shelter or young girls using bathrooms or locker rooms.
1: Yeah, these are the most important discussions to have around this bill because there are people that are that need safe spaces. The first are our children. Our young girls need to be able to know that they can walk into a locker room or a bathroom and not have a biological male um, violate their innocence. And that, for parents, is just a top-notch issue. But there's also this issue of domestic violence shelters. We've seen this play out in Alaska, where similar laws that they dealt with, and all of a sudden you have a place that is supposed to be a safe place for women in particular who need a safe place because they've been in the hands of an abuser and yet you're saying we're going to allow biological men to walk into this facility. It's amazing in a culture where we talk all the time. We hear every conversation has words like, oh, there's triggers and there's we need safe spaces. And yet we have laws that are doing the exact opposite, which is we are taking women of a, that have been abused and we're triggering them and they're making their spaces unsafe.
0: Well, along those lines, it was interesting that one person who testified to the Senate committee was Abigail Schreier. She's the Wall Street Journal writer who published that eye-opening book, statistically and thoroughly documenting the destructive impact on um, that transgender promotion is having right now on our young girls. And so in Congress, she gave this super powerful testimony on how the Equality Act, by the language that it has in it, actually creates physically dangerous situations for women and children. So let's just listen to her words on that. If a preschool has a policy that only female teachers may accompany little girls to the bathroom and your daughter's male teacher suddenly identifies as female, ought that teacher to have a legal entitlement to accompany her? Does that strike anyone in this room as safe or sensible? Should a female abuse survivor at a domestic violence shelter be forced to sleep and undress next to a biological male The plain truth is that it is not sensible, not safe, and certainly not just to end these hard-won
1: protections for women and girls in the name of equality. Yeah, another really good point that she made was about how young women who are top performers in their sports face losing out on awards and scholarships because they're forced to compete now against biological boys. And I know, as a mom, you know, I mentioned my daughter plays sports, but I don't know that she'll be a college athlete. But the idea that she gets great at her sport and then some boy joins the team and takes away that scholarship opportunity—I can't imagine what those parents are facing right now, and the idea of the injustice of it all, and and just the identity that girls build and the confidence they build around sports that gets demolished when this happens.
0: Well, there's another federal proposal people really need to be aware of, and that's the ERA or Equal Rights Amendment. Just when we thought this was finally dead, there seemed to be more efforts to bring it back to life again.
1: Yeah, it's definitely what we call Frankenstein policy. It is absurd that we are talking about something that was a measure introduced and written and debated 50 years ago. And, the, you know, if people understand how these things work, they're introduced. You have to have 38 states ratify, and then a national archivist will add it to the U.S. Constitution. Obviously, it doesn't happen every day, so we kind of forget the process. But that's how it's supposed to work. And when that happened in the 70s, they had a deadline, and they did not get enough states to ratify it. Then they extended the deadline. They did not get enough states to ratify it. It. So somehow they came up with the idea of we'll just ignore everything that was done in the 70s with the deadlines And we'll just pretend there's no deadline and go around the states and tell them to ratify it now And it'll still have that same meaning which if you think about our culture we in the 70s We actually at least all agreed on what we thought were sexes And now we're talking about equality between the sexes and our culture doesn't even want to know what they don't even have agreement around the Terms of male and female so we've got a huge problem 50 years later to try to re-debate this bill. Yeah, and there are some
0: states also that rescinded their ratification. So it's just crazy to try and go back and do
1: that. But we also had a court victory on this recently, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is the, this was the argument we were making in Virginia when we were trying to block being the 38th state as they defined it because you're right, states even pulled back their ratification. So we're nowhere near 38 states in any form. And we tried to explain that. We tried to be clear about it. And now a judge has been very clear with our attorney general that no, this is not legitimate. Unfortunately, where there's a, there's a will, there's a way. And with uh, folks that are passionate about this, they don't seem to care what the courts are saying.
0: Yeah, and also people need to realize that really the entire point of the ERA at this point, at this time, is to carve out abortion on demand into the Constitution.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a way of doing that under the guise of equality. The idea is we won't we won't make abortion, a, a right to abortion, the amendment that we add to the U.S. Constitution because there are not a majority of Americans that would be on board with that. But instead, we'll use this idea of equality, but actually what we're going to do is is really cement the right to abortion in our Constitution, which doesn't exist. So the
0: bottom line is there are two bills moving through Congress right now that are using equality as a Trojan horse to just push through liberalism on sexuality and abortion. So let's just start with the Equality Act. Do you think this has any chance of getting through the U.S. Senate?
1: Well, certainly, I try not to handicap bills at the federal level because our focus is the state level. But what we hear from our allied partners is it is very close. Um, There is a significant concern. They've already heard it in committee, and we need to be in communication with our U.S. senators to block them from you know to tell them not to vote and block this thing from passing.
0: And the ERA is there really significant uh, momentum
1: on this thing when it's so old? Well, yeah, I mean, this is the crazy thing. As I mentioned, President Biden and the Congress are, you know, now trying to revive it, ignore the deadlines and move it forward. And it has moved through the House. And so we're, again, looking at the Senate, hoping the Senate will understand and abide by the right process to pass a U.S. Constitutional Amendment and say, no, this isn't it. But we've got to, as citizens, we've got to tell them, we've got to talk to our senators and say, this is not for Virginia.
0: All right. So... What's being called equality is really erasing rights. Just remember that. And if you want to do something about it, uh, people listening today can go to our website, familyfoundation.org, and just look for the banner on these measures going through U.S. Congress. Well, it's that time again, time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! I just have to say, today's Inconceivable Award is perfect because I really think it's a perfect example of what happens when identity politics run amok.
1: Yet this week's award goes to New York University, which through something called an Office of Equity, sent a survey to students. And the survey, among other things, asked them to identify their gender. And get this, there's no less than 30 choices for genders. Well, and
0: I noticed it says select all that apply. So, I mean, I guess if you wanted to, you can select 15 of these.
1: Well, I guess there's really no cap here on identities you can choose. Yeah, it's pretty confusing. First choice is something called a gender. And then there's also gender apathetic and there's gender nonconforming. And so I'm not sure how all those are even different.
0: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite memes in this whole thing was this comment, wow, this is really going to slow down the DMV line. But in all seriousness, this does illustrate how these identity politics, they really sow
1: confusion and more division rather than unity. Apparently the school justifies this by explaining at the end of the survey that this is part of its equity agenda to quote, shift policy and promote anti-racist practice and help build a warmer and more affirming school environment. I'm not sure it's creating a warmer feeling. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not either.
0: Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up, Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.